I don't think uh, Sandra would mind me sharing this, but I, she sent me something, uh, I think last week, said, when you were early in your walk with God, did you ever feel overwhelmed sometimes? And I, I said, yes, and 30 years later, I still do. Um, and she responds, that's comforting because I've been feeling that way for about a week and I really hate it. But anyway, she, she uh, asked about doing a sermon on the armor of God. Because ha have you ever been in a funk? You know, your mind, I mean, you just, it, like negative stuff just negativity and, and, and you just, you don't know why, you don't like it. And uh, what, do you, what do you do about it? I mean, you just, there is something you can do about it. That's what I'm going to be talking about today. But I, I, think, um, I think our battle, if we think about the Spirit of God, our battle is with the mind, what's going on up here. It's, um, it really is. And I think you could nail it all, nail it all down to what's going on between the ears. So I want you to imagine yourself sitting here on this very day, next year, 2020. It's hard to believe it, isn't it? 2020, right here on the last, great, last uh, day of Unleavened Bread, asking yourself the question, how many battles have you won? How many battles have you lost? How many temptations during the year did you yield to? How many victories did you get? How many times did you commit willful sin? You knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. <laughs> uh, how many times did you sin out of weakness or ignorance? Yeah, that occurs too. Now, if you think about what these days mean for us, it could be summarized in Romans 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the answer is, God forbid... How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Ah, that's, that's a beautiful expression, you know, dead, dead to sin. The problem is, in my own personal life and walk with God, often I have felt very much alive and in tune with <laughs> sin. Just being honest with you. So we come to these days, putting Christ in and putting the leavening out. You ever thought about, suppose we continued this process? You know, a lot of us, most of us, probably all of us, are, are sort of glad these days are over with. Because you're looking forward to getting that big burger. <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> and I thought about the symbolism. Now, I know it's just symbolism. But I can't wait to go out and get my sin or whatever and eat. You know, it, it's symbolized. It's not literal sin, but it, you know, it depends on how much you like bread. Okay. Um, how difficult would it be to continue this process? Well, that's good. I'm seeing some people say it wouldn't be too bad. We have been called to an even more difficult process, and that is literally to continue this process of leavening, you know,
putting the unleavened bread, Christ in, and putting the leavening, we have been called to continue this process. Day in, day out. And I'm not knocking bread, but you know, when I was studying uh, blood pressure and stuff, you know, uh, losing weight, you know, they, they say that, I forget, every five pounds of weight you lose, your blood pressure drops so many points. So if you just want to naturally drop your blood pressure, lose some weight. And of course, a lot of doctors I would read and, and they would say, you know, the problem low blood, uh, lowering your blood pressure, it's not salt. Salt is not the problem. The problem is sugar. And carbohydrates and bread is sugar. And so you just, one doctor said, you want to get your blood pressure down, get rid of the bread. It's <laughs> just that simple. And, uh, but anyway, hopefully as we look back over the year of, of our lives, hopefully if I had a chart here, you know, it would, it would, your spiritual life would gradually, now there'd be some flatline areas, you know, where you're just not doing, you know, you're not, just neutral almost, just a flatline. And there may be some dips, but hopefully as we looked at that chart, your spiritual growth would be on an incline. And you would say, I I'm doing better. It's a, it's a process, but I am making headway. I am doing better. <clears throat> I think all of us could say that. Now, in Ephesians 6 and verse 12, it says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, our battle is not with ourselves and flesh, and it's not with other people. Okay. But against principalities, powers, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Another translation will say this. This is not a wrestling match against human components, someone else or yourself. We are wrestling with rulers, authorities, the powers who govern this world of darkness and spiritual forces that control evil in the heavenly world. Obviously, this is a spiritual battle we're up against. And there's very little you can do on a physical level to combat this, you know, far, far as physical, you know. We think of war, uh, offensive warfare. If you were a soldier, you would have your, all these weapons that you could fight with. You know, you'd have maybe a rocket launcher or AK-47 or grenades or something. You know, you would have all kinds of things that you could battle with. But this battle is different. This is a spiritual battle. And... Uh, Physically, we don't have much to, 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 do, to combat this with. The Bible says, For body, bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So we're going to look at how does the Bible tell us to go about this godliness? Because on a physical level, you know, if you think, if you look at the world in which you live, it's all about the physical, is it not? TV commercials, ads, it's about looking good, it's about feeling good, it's about the, the latest, I mean, it's just, it's all physical. I mean, it's just, just physical, physical, physical. It's all about the physical. And there's very little connection with the spirit world, spiritual things in our world. It, it's all about, you know, never 
has a society accomplished so little, or a people, and yet been so enamored with themselves? Never has this happened in society. I mean, you look at, look at Facebook. You know, sometimes you think, how many pictures of yourself can you post in a day's time and place on Facebook? You know, it ne let me repeat this. Never has a society, a people, accomplished so little and yet been so enamored with themselves. You know, I was watching, looking at Facebook, and it was funny. It was a big old guy, needed to lose some weight. You know, 40 years old, still living at home. He's sitting in front of his computer, and he says, Mama, bring me a Hot Pocket. I'm ready to get mean on Facebook. <laughs> He's going to tear up some stuff. He's going to get mean on Facebook. Mama, bring me a Hot Pocket. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, okay, but we're talking about a real battle that's going on here, the spiritual battle. So I want to look at what is the full armor of God and how to use it. What is the full armor of God and how to use it? Ephesians 6 and verse 12 indicates that the conflict with Satan is spiritual. All right. And no tangible weapons can be effectively employed against him and his minions. There are demons that, out, that do his business. Okay. And we are not given a list of specific tactics Satan will use. However, this passage is quite clear that when we follow all the instructions faithfully, we will be able to stand and we will have victory regardless of Satan's strategy. Now, I want to say something about Satan's tactics. Do not, try, do not waste your time trying to figure out Satan's tactics that he's using on you. We can spend endless hours trying to figure that out. We can go through our past. We can look at our lives and say, well, yeah, I had some dis dysfunction going on in my family system. And, you know, someone, I think it was John Bradshaw, said that there is no perfectly functioning family out there. They're all a little bit dysfunctional. And so, you know, we don't come from perfect family systems, even though you might think you do, but every good, even a godly family can have some dysfunction. So we look at our lives and we think, oh, I had this defining moment that really messed me up. You know those defining moments that happen to us in our lives that, that we think, ooh, I wish that hadn't happened to me. You know, that hurt. That hurt my feelings, whatever. We've all had bad experiences that we've been through. Maybe you were abused as a, as a child. Maybe you, some people, maybe they were molested as a child. All these things. And we, so we get busy and we try to figure out, okay, now it's true, Satan knows every one of those defining moments that happened to you. And he's been studying you ever since you went down in the waters of baptism. It's like Henry told me, he said, when, when he, you know, he said, right now, after you come up out of that water, the day I was baptized, there's an X on your back. You've been marked, a bullseye. I think he said a bullseye, yeah. You are targeted now. So Satan knows everything about you. He knows your weakness. He knows your past. He knows your experiences. He knows your dysfunctions going on. He knows your addictions, the things you've struggled with, your sins, your shortcomings. He knows you very well. You know, sometimes we, we struggle and we're trying to figure out stuff. Why did this sickness, why am I going to this? Why did this accident happen to me? 
And yes, Satan knows every bad thing that ever happened to you, and he will use it against you. So again, we are not given a list of specific tactics Satan will use, because they are endless. They're always new every day. They're endless. So don't try to figure them out. However, however, this passage is quite clear that when we follow all these instructions faithfully, faithfully, we will be able to stand regardless of his strategy. Now, someone said if Satan can't get at you any other way, he will simply waste your time. And that's why I say trying to figure out all his methods is a waste of time. What you need to do is use the armor of God that we're going to go through. Don't try to figure it out how he's going to do it. You'll waste your time. Just use these seven points of the armor of God that we're going to go through. God is not the author of confusion. Who is the author of confusion? Satan. Yeah. And think about that. How many times have you just, you're trying to, you're, you're, you fall into the trap of confusion. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to know. I, don't, I still don't know the answer. Okay, he's a master at confusion. I'm just confused. I still can't figure this out. Okay, instead of going down that trail, trying to figure out his methods, let's go with the armor of God <clears throat> to fight. Ephesians 6 and verse 13. Ephesians 6 and verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Now, I look at that and I think it's not going to be easy. You do everything you can to stand. And you take on the whole armor of God. Number one, Ephesians 6 and verse 14. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. First one is truth. Truth is part of the armor. Truth. We know Satan is the father of lies. We know deception is a high on the list of things God considers to be an abomination. A lying tongue is one of the things he describes as detest detestable to him. So, but when I talk about truth, we might say, yeah, we got that. <laughs> what I'm doing, <laughs> check, yeah, check that one off. We got the truth. All right. What I'm talking about is using truth with humility. And that involves gratitude. God, you know, it's, it's not that I, I, I keep the Sabbath. I need the Sabbath, you know. It, it's, it's, what a blessing. I am grateful. The holy days and, I, I, you know, gratitude for the truth that God has given us. And, you know, I, someone wrote me on YouTube, commented and said, it's always good to see a Gentile who has come to the truth. I'm always referred to as a Gentile. I guess a dumb Gentile. I don't know. But I got the truth. And they're, they're always re referring to me as a Gentile. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, but uh, I got to thinking about the mindset of these people. And these were some of the Hebrew roots movement. You've heard of that. Messianics. And here I am thinking, well, I'm in the church of God. I got the truth. And they're thinking, well, I'm the Messianic. I, I'm the Hebrew root movement, and we got the truth. We're both, we're both wrong, you know, by the way. But we're all basking in our, in our truth that we have. And, uh, 
You want to see some arrogance when it comes to truth? Look at some of those messianic comments. You know, some, I'm not knocking. I'm not saying, but but they can slip into a, a really more arrogant than I got. I mean, I'm not just kidding. But uh, more, uh, you know, they can really go into a mode there of 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 we, you know, we got the truth here, and 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 uh, so this first piece of armor, the truth. You can have the truth. But if you don't use it with humility and gratitude, it's not going to protect you from Satan. Why is that? Self-righteousness. That's a tool of the, of the devil, right? Just self-righteousness. I mean, he's going to use that backwards and forwards. I mean, uh, so, again, what I'm talking about is, yeah, we should rejoice in the truth and rejoice in God's calling because God has called you to understand things, and, and uh, they are blessings. They are great. I am so grateful that uh, I don't have to go along with what the world is teaching. I don't have to do those things. I don't have to get caught up in all this stuff. And, and uh, so I'm very grateful for God's truth. So again, this piece of armor, first one, the truth, as I said, don't forget that you can have truth, but if you don't use it with humility and gratitude, you're going to have a glitch in your armor. And one, we're going through seven. If one is lacking, you're vulnerable. Vulnerable. You got a glitch. All right, second one. And having the breastplate of righteousness. Well, I've, you know, now, now righteousness is not, well, I've lived 23 days in obedience so far. I'm checking them off on the calendar. I got my star. That's not righteousness. Okay. The righteousness of God is knowing that you have and can be forgiven. That's the righteousness of God. No condemnation. In other words, let me spell it out for you. Two days after the Passover, where, where we celebrate it, renewing our covenant, two days later you go out and sin. It can happen. Okay? The righteousness of God is God, I confess it, I ask for forgiveness. No condemnation. You don't beat yourself up. It is the righteousness of God. You don't have to beat yourself up. And uh, this is a, this 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 irks the satanic world. I mean, it's just now he loves when we beat ourselves up. He loves it when we bring up sins that we've been forgiven of, and we start you know we start thinking about. Well, I wonder if that you know, you know. he loves that. But if you can can have a confidence. And say, because of God, what God did for me, I can be forgiven. I don't have to beat myself up. I am not condemned. Boy, you're, you're, you're going to be a winner against this diabolical side that's after you. you know, and, and I'm convinced a lot of times we, we have a hard time. You, know, you refuse to beat yourself up. It, uh, Satan cannot get at you if you refuse to beat yourself up. This piece of armor guards our hearts against the accusation and charges of Satan and secures our innermost being from his attacks. Let me repeat that. This piece of armor guards our hearts against the accusations and charges of Satan. How many of you are aware that when you sin, there will be accusations coming from the devil? Oh, man, they can be powerful. You know, you're not worthy. You're, you're worthless. 
Yeah. So you gotta be again, you gotta be guarded against that. Number three, and your feet shod, Ephesians 6 and verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This one's interesting. This is footwear. In warfare, sometimes an enemy places dangerous obstacles in the path of the advancing soldier. A landmine, you know, and you step on it, okay, footwear. The idea of the preparation of the gospel of peace as footwear suggests that we need to advance into Satan's territory aware that there will be traps that keep us from spreading the gospel. Okay? What are the traps that keep us from sharing, spreading, talking when we should talk? Little traps like, well, who are you? You don't have the time. You're too busy. Look at you. You're, you're busy. Keep at it and just keep busying yourself. You don't have time to stop and communicate to this person. You don't have time. That person would never listen to you anyway. You ever done that one? You know, he wouldn't, that, that, that's a great excuse right there. But they wouldn't understand it anyway. You know, and so we walk away. Whatever. Uh, you will mess up the answer. There's another trap. <laughs> <laughs> Your mind, well, you'll have a brain fog, you know. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Fear. There's another trap. Fear. Um, Satan has many obstacles placed in the path to halt the spreading of the gospel. Often we are our own, are our own worst enemy, and we listen to that satanic voice that says, Who are you? So, as we think about it like this, as we put on our shoes in the morning, uh, think, think this. Today, I'm going to be walking, yes, walking into a landmine of opportunities to spread the gospel. Look at it as an opportunity. I'm putting on these shoes, the preparation of the gospel, and, and I'm going to have all kinds of opportunities as I walk there's going to be opportunities there for me to, 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 do, to do this. You know, this again, this is part of the armor of God. And, uh, you know, if you're hiding, if you're running from all, all types of opportunity, maybe this is a glitch that we can all have. Because, you know, let's face it, our lives are busy. We don't have time. And uh, there's fear. <clears throat> and we have our favorite excuses. You know, I wouldn't have the right answer, whatever. So don't, don't let this trip you up. Don't, don't let that one trip you up. Number four, Ephesians 6 and verse 16, Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. What are the fiery darts of the wicked? Well, it is simply that Satan sows doubts in our minds. Satan sows doubts in our mind, and I've lost a piece of paper. Then I want to read you something, a story. Uh, here we go. Always bring your notes when you're giving a sermon. <laughs> they do help. <laughs> uh, the opposite of these doubts is faith in God. Now I think what happens, okay, take the shield of faith. Without that shield of faith, you're not gonna be able to quench the fiery darts you know what I think? I think a lot of times we drop the shield of faith 
It's just, I mean, that was a big thing. We're protected the chests and all that. We just, and we are bombarded by seeds of doubt. Now, let me read you a story here. I like this story. I told it a long time ago, so you've forgotten it. Uh, <laughs> An old legend tells how a man once stumbled upon a great red barn after wandering for days in the dark overgrown forest. Seeing refuge from the howling winds, a winds of a storm, that seemed to rage perpetually in the forest, his eyes grew accustomed to the dark, and then, to his astonishment, he discovered that this was the barn where Satan kept the storehouse of seeds to be sown into human hearts. More curious than fearful, he lit a match and began to explore the piles and bins of seeds around him. He couldn't help but notice that the container labeled seeds of discouragement far outnumbered any other type of seeds. Just as the man had drawn his conclusion, one of Satan's foremost demons arrived to pick up a fresh supply of seeds. The man asked him why the great abundance of discouragement seeds. The demon laughed because they are so effectively effective and they take root so quickly. The man then asked, do they grow everywhere? At this, the demon became sullen. He glared at the man and admitted in disgust, no, they never seem to thrive in the heart of a grateful person. Be thankful for what you have today and trust the Lord to take care of what you don't have. You know, the shield of, look at that shield of faith as the shield of gratitude. You know, if you're going to get in a, a funk in your mind and you just start praising God and being grateful, it can change you very quickly. Your whole attitude. Lord, I'm, I'm, okay, let, let me go through the list of things that I'm grateful for. The shield of faith, shield of gratitude. <clears throat> Number five, Ephesians 6 and verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. You know, the head is the critical part of the body. We could say that our way of thinking needs protection. The head is the seat of the mind. <clears throat> for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You become what you think about. You've heard these, these phrases. I mean, they are powerful. Motivational speakers talk about this. You become what you think about. And the helmet of salvation tells us what we should be thinking about. Well, you know, think about it. Okay, think about it. Uh, <laughs> our our sal salvation when it comes to health. God is my salvation when it comes to health. God is my salvation when it comes to struggles and sins. He's my salvation. God is my salvation when it comes to prosperity. God is my salvation when it comes to my fears. God is my salvation when it comes to anything that you're struggling with. He is my salvation. <clears throat> All right, number six, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now with all the pieces of spiritual armor, all the pieces of spiritual armor are defensive in nature. The sword of the spirit is the only off offensive weapon in the armor of God. It's a sword. It's something you can take up and begin to fight back. It speaks of the holiness and power of the word of God. A great spiritual, uh, a greater spiritual weapon is not conceivable. In Jesus' temptation in the desert, 
The word of Jesus, the word of God was always his overpowering response to Satan. Okay, you have this same blessing that is available to us, and that is the word of God. Now, my particular struggles can be this. I have a very, what you call a compulsive mind. Compulsive mind can be good if it's positive, if something you're dealing with is positive because you focus on it. You grab it and, you, okay, and your mind goes crazy. Compulsive mind is very bad to negative things because it grabs the negative and, 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 and just you think about it. So scripture is very important. So let me, let me give you an idea here. Make you a CD of positive words of God from the Bible, scriptures. You can record your own voice. It's easy to do. And listen to that. Now, now okay, scriptures. You know, I mean, think about some of these scriptures. Second Samuel, you have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your gentleness has made me great. Make you a CD of some powerful, positive scripture, and listen to it. Listen to it while you're driving to work. Listen to it before you go to bed. But ear, you know, headset on, whatever. Listen to it. Don't, don't wake your wife up or whatever. Well, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, Jeremiah, for I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end. Beloved, I wish above all things that, you're, that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What I'm saying is this. A compulsive mind has to be retrained. And it takes some discipline to, to retrain a compulsive mind. So that, this is a help, I think, that can help you a lot, uh, especially the Word of God the word, and remembering the Word of God. Just let it pour into, and where does it pour in? It goes into your ear, it goes in between, you know, it goes into your mind. And let that pour in. Okay, how to use the full armor of God. Last one, um, Ephesians 6 and verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We cannot neglect prayer as it is the means by which we draw spiritual strength from God. Without prayer... Without, without reliance upon God, our efforts at spiritual warfare are empty and futile. You know, we think about seven, seven things that we can take here. Seven is completion. Seven is perfection. We have seven things in the armor of God that we can take up every day. But, you know, again, if one is lacking, there's a glitch in your armor. If one is lacking, you may be good at three or four of them, but if one is lacking, there's a glitch. And so how do we deal with this mind, you know, this brain fog, this funk that we get in, this negativity that we get into? Well, we, we deal with this with the armor of God. The full armor of God are the tools God has given us through which we can be spiritually victorious, overcoming Satan's attacks and temptations.